Hi everybody, my name is Michael Domingue and welcome to Strange Tales of Myth and Magic. In this podcast, we're going to explore mythology and magic and fairy tales and wives tales and maybe some snakes tales. We'll take a peek at some of the strange legends and stories throughout history and how they affected culture and how they affected me as an artist. So sit back and let me tell you a story. This week's episode, The Gollum. Clay Defender or Muddy Monster? So what is a golem? Now, I need to be very clear about this. This is not the Lord of the Rings golem. This is not my precious. This is nothing to do with that. Um, this is much older than Lord of the Rings. This is actually a big, monstrous sort of character. Massive. And and the catch is, it's not just a monster, but it's a created monster. It's something that has been made, and it is made out of clay, out of mud. Now, a golem is actually something from Jewish folklore. In fact, the word golem actually translates to meaning shapeless or formless. And, you know, that's mostly because it is something made out of clay and then formed into this sort of humanoid sort of thing. Now, it's said that the very, very first golem um, was actually Adam of, you know, like Adam and Eve. And because, you know, it said that, that God actually formed Adam from the earth and thus Adam would be a golem, at least initially, because, you know, a golem by and large doesn't have much personality. So at least initially, because it, it said that he was kneaded from dust into a shapeless husk. So this would have been way before the whole let's share an apple under the under the, the tree of knowledge kind of thing. So where the stories of the golem get a little trickier is when humans start saying, hey, you know, I think I'd like a golem. And it's not without warrant that they want a golem. You know, in many cases, the golems are created as protectors. Um, but as you might expect, in many of these stories, there's usually a bit of a hitch when when humanity starts playing with divinity. Now, it's it's not exactly easy to make a golem. Now, um, sure, you could go into your backyard and dig up a bunch of clay and start forming a giant humanoid sort of creature. And then, you know, then you'd probably be twiddling your thumbs for a while before it actually did anything you wanted to do. To sort of jumpstart these things, you actually need a bit of magic, a bit of mysticism. And, and usually they're done by um, a rabbi uh, who is versed in like the Kabbalah, which is, you know, Jewish mysticism. And and, and then through that, these things are created. And often they're created um, with, you know, sort of a sacred writing, um, often, you know, on a little piece of parchment, in some cases put in the mouth. Sometimes that sacred writing is put on the golem's forehead. So once all the magic's done, once the little sacred text or the writing on the forehead is done, poof, you've got a golem. A, basically, you have this clay robot at your disposal to do whatever it is you want it to do. Now, one of the first Gollum stories that I came across uh, came from the 11th century. And this, in this case, the Gollum is more or less kind of like a, a maid or a butler. It basically was created to do all the crappy household chores that nobody else really wanted to do. You know, whether that's ironing. I don't know how much ironing they did in the the 11th, the 11th century. I, I'm assuming not much. So maybe ironing's out. But, you know, probably gathering wood for the fire, perhaps cooking, you know, that sort of that sort of tedious sort of stuff, maybe, you know, darning socks, doing the dishes, that, that sort of stuff. Now, I have to admit, 
this sounds pretty good. And you know what? If um, if Gollum was cheap enough, I'd be I'd be digging on the Gollum. I you know, I making the bed, cleaning the bathroom. Hey, that would be awesome. Um, I, I've yet to come across a uh, low priced Gollum, and um, I do think we have enough clay in the backyard. But. But anyway, I don't know the magic trick we need to start it up, though. Now, with this particular story, I was never really able to find out anything beyond what more or less what I what I told you. And uh, it was um, it was interesting because often these stories, you know, sort of have something go awry where the golem goes out of control or something. And then the golem has to be stopped. Um, I would assume that uh, that probably happened uh, just based on the nature of the golem stories in general. And because really the golem stories are about hubris. They're about humanity reaching a little bit further than it should, going into places it shouldn't mess around with. In fact, the story of Frankenstein by Mary Shelley is actually a story that was based on these legends of the Gollum. In that case, you have Victor Frankenstein, who decides he wants to create life. Life! I need to create life. And so, from a dead corpse, he zaps it with some lightning in the movies and some secret thing in the book, but instills it with life. But of course, things go wrong. The creature does its own thing and runs amok. And thus, uh, the story's not nice and tidy. And usually that's the way the Gollum story is. It's created for a reason, but then things start to go wrong. Now, one of the variations of the story actually takes place in Chelm, Poland, in which a, a rabbi creates a Gollum, you know, do the usual thing, you know, do the do the work and all that sort of stuff for long hours to help the, to help the village. Um, but in this case, the Gollum keeps growing. And is growing and growing and growing and is getting bigger and bigger. And and the fear was the golem would get so big that it would destroy the world, which is, you know, a very realistic possibility. Now, the interesting thing about this story is that in this case, the golem had the word truth written on his forehead. And that, in Hebrew, that would be Aleph Mem Tav. Those are the three letters, Aleph Mem Tav. And so... The way he stopped the golem was he erased the letter Aleph, which leaves the letters Mem and Tav, which spells dead. So I was curious if this was legit. So I grabbed Google Translate. I grabbed, you know, I cut and paste the word um, truth, you know, in Hebrew and paste it in there and did the little translate thing. And then I took off the first letter and I got something totally different. And I'm like, well, that's wrong. Well, let's see if you can guess what I did wrong. Well, um, Hebrew reads right to left, not left to right. So what I was taking the first letter off, I was not taking the Aleph off. So that didn't work. But once I figured that out and I took off the correct Aleph, lo and behold, it did in fact translate from truth to dead. So back to the story, you know, once the rabbi did this, the golem turns to dust. Now, in some variations, the golem has one final, last life-preserving moment where it tries to, to prevent the rabbi from, from erasing the letter from his forehead, and he scratches the rabbi's face, scarring him for life. But to no avail, and poof, into dust he went. And and this actually kind of makes me sad when I, I've heard when I heard this version because you know that would imply that this 
the golem is not just a big mindless robot. Um, it actually had some consciousness and, you know, it was aware that life was being taken away from it. And, you know, that, that does sort of pull at my heartstrings a little bit. In Lithuania, there's a Yiddish tale of a clay boy. And the clay boy is basically the idea. It's kind of the gingerbread, you know, the gingerbread man story. And, you know, this couple, this lonely couple decide they're going to to make a, a little clay boy because they can't have a child of their own. You know, common theme in, in fairy tales. And, of course, the at first it seems like a, a normal little boy. And, no, oh, yay, we've got our little boy. And then the boy just doesn't seem right and just starts eating all the livestock, eating all the food. And and it's like, well, that's not very good. And, you know, the cows are getting eaten. And, and then eventually the clay boy eats the parents. You know, that's not... That's not much of a, a son. It's not a nice thing to do as a son. Now, as the story goes, uh, the the way the clay boy is defeated is actually with sort of a wily goat, not a wily coyote, but a wily goat actually um, has the wherewithal to approach this this eating clay boy and figures out, you know, it's like, I think I know how to, to beat this guy. So he knows the clay boy is hungry and, you know, insatiably hungry. And he says, hey, you know, why don't you eat a goat? Goat would be good. I'll just jump on in your mouth. And the clay boy is a little bit surprised how how easy this is going to be. And so the 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 boy opens up its its big muddy mouth, and instead of jumping into it, the goat rams with its big horns the clay boy's chest. And the boy being made of clay, it shatters. And thus the clay boy is gone. I mean, granted, by that time everything else is gone except maybe the goat, but the clay boy at least is is done from doing its its gobbling up for the time being. Also in Lithuania, there's a, a more traditional golem story. Um, this one, you know, the big clay clay thing. And, and this takes place in the, the village of Vilna. And this was sometime in the 18th century is when this story takes place. And the idea is that you have Rabbi Elijah and, you know, who's known as basically the, the genius of Vilna. I guess he's a smart guy. In fact, he's so smart that he knew all five books of Moses by heart. He's very familiar with Kabbalistic teachings and all its secrets. And so he creates a golem. So this golem is, you know, it does chores. It, it gathers up fish for the Sabbath and it, you know, does the, the stuff that golems do, the everyday boring stuff that golems do. But primarily, this golem was created as a protector because apparently what was going on was that some of the religious ceremonies were being interrupted um, by folks who didn't really care for the Jewish people very much. And so Rabbi Elijah builds a golem. Now, now this golem um, actually has the way this one's activated is with a little piece of parchment with some sacred writing on it that is then inserted into the golem's ear and poof, the big lump of clay comes to life. Now, this golem is 
Kind of hardcore, though, because this is sort of a bone-crushing golem. Um, pretty much anyone who tries to defy it, um, it literally crushes bones and skulls. So to the point of death, there is no like in-betweens. If you come and try and mess with stuff you shouldn't be messing with, the golem's going to come after you and there will be no mercy. Kablooey. Now, the governor of this area, you know, finally, you know, he sees all this, you know, destruction and all this stuff and people getting beaten up and crushed and killed. And, he, you know, he meets with Rabbi Elijah and says, hey, you know, this we got to figure out something here. And, um, uh, you know, the, the rabbi says, look, I'll turn off the golem if you can say you'll make sure that we're protected when we do our religious ceremonies. And the governor agreed. And sure enough, Rabbi Elijah, he pulls out the little sacred text out of the ear and the golem once again turns back to a lifeless form of clay. Now, one of the themes that is often associated with the Golem is not just that of an uncontrolled Frankenstein's monster. Um, usually that is, is tied into it, but, but there's something else that is, that is more commonly associated with it. And that is the idea that the Golem is not merely just a helping hand, but the Golem is actually a protector, and in particular, a protector of the Jewish people. And historically, that's, uh, there would be a reason why they would want to have a, a creature like the golem, you know, in, in folklore, you know, to have sort of a protector, um, you know, because often in history, you would find incidents of, of pogroms or, or raids into village towns where, you know, the property and people were injured merely because of anti-Semitic beliefs. And then, of course, there were blood libels, which a blood libel was basically an instance where a child, usually a child would die, um, maybe natural causes, maybe from disease, maybe it, you know, fell down and injured itself and died. But then the child's body would be left in a place in which the Jews would be blamed for it. And one of the common lies that was spread was that they were using the blood of these these children to uh to mix in with their, their matzah bread. And of course, this was just nonsense designed to, you know, uh, rile up an anti-Semitic mob and thus justifying violence against the Jewish community. And that would be called a blood libel. So it's really, really not surprising that golems came to be. You know, if you're in that sort of setting, you would dream about a protector. And if you think about it, if you go to like uh, pre-World War II um, and you think about what was happening with Nazi Germany, um, one of the th characters that came out of that was kind of like a golem. Superman was created as a protector. Now, the Superman comic was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, and um, they were both children of Jewish immigrants. And the comic came out um, about 1938. And so obviously, you know, right in the, the heat of anti-Semitic Nazi Germany. And so you could see how Superman, they would want a Superman to come and save the day. Um, a golem of sorts. Now, granted, Superman is a little bit different um, than the golem in that, you know, it's it, I mean, typically Superman doesn't go out of control and you don't have have to deactivate Superman. But the idea of the need of a protector, now that is pretty consistent with the Gollum. There's a great novel called The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Shabon. And um, basically, the, the two main characters in the book are, are not dissimilar than the creators of Superman. They're sort of loosely based on them. And they're young boys, you know, teens, and they create this character called the Escapist, who is sort of an anti-fascist superhero, a, a protector of those in need, you know, kind of like Superman. 
So the reason I bring this novel up is because um, it actually opens up in Nazi-occupied Prague. And um, one of the main characters who plays one of the boys, is actually sneaking out of Prague, trying to avoid the Nazis, you know, who are doing bad things, and um, get to the America. And the way he does that is by hiding in a coffin along with a golem. Now, if you ever go to Prague, which I, I highly recommend, it's one of the most magical cities um, in the world. Um, if you go to what was the old Jewish ghetto, you'll find what's called the Old New Synagogue. And don't let the name confuse you. I mean, this is old. I mean, there ain't nothing new about this synagogue. It was built in the 13th century. So it is it is old. Now, it's said that since the 16th century, um, a golem has resided in the attic of this synagogue. And in fact, if you um, wander around the synagogue and you look outside, you'll see a, a little window and you see like a little laddery thing that goes up to the window along the outside of it. And my understanding is that's allegedly where the golem resides. Now, I don't recommend you sneaking up there, like shuffling up the little the little ladder thing. I don't recommend that. I, I, it's not because I'm worried about your safety from the golem. I just think that's you know kind of bad form. So don't be sneaking around trying to take a peek at the golem. But who knows? You know the golem could be up there, and then you know you might be in trouble. Now this golem that's uh, that's up in the attic supposedly um, is the same golem that's featured in the novel The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And this segues into probably the most famous Gollum story, the Gollum of Prague. Prague is filled with Gollum images. In fact, you know, in the in the Jewish quarter, you will see, you know, little Gollum, little Gollum figurines and you'll see statues and you'll see all the stuff that relate to the Gollum because it you know, sort of has moved into the, the tourist industry. And, you know, everybody's pointing out, oh, the Gollum's in there and that kind of thing. So as the legend goes, um, Rabbi Lowe was uh, the creator of the Gollum. And at this time, there was a blood libel. But this was being blamed on the Jewish people and, of course, violence and all that stuff. So um, the rabbi decides he's going to create a Gollum to protect the citizens of his, of his neighborhood. So the rabbi goes down to the river where he gathers up a tremendous amount of clay and builds this 11-foot-tall protector. Interestingly, this golem is actually given a name, at least in some versions, and the name is Joseph. And, you know, perhaps that implies this golem has a personality, or it could be kind of like Siri. You know, I mean, it's just a name given to something that is that's human-like, you know, because I assume Siri isn't. A living, breathing sort of entity? Are you, Siri? I don't have an answer for that. Is there something else I can help with? Well, we'll leave this existential topic for the time being, because that's not the only unusual thing about this particular golem. In some versions, it's said that Joseph has the ability of invisibility, and which means that, you know, he had ninja powers. You know, he could sneak up on his, on his adversaries. But that's not all. Um, some versions of the tale actually have Joseph um, with the ability to summon the spirits of the dead, which would be another handy thing if you're fighting off foes. So one night, a rabble heads to the Jewish quarter. But what they weren't expecting was to meet up with Joseph. 
the golem. The clay man was fearless. It, it took them all on. They kept coming, and, and he kept breaking bones and killing and maiming and beating and bonking and all the stuff that you would expect a protecting golem to do. And eventually, they saw that they were faced with something that was invincible. So the mob dispersed, and they never came back again. So yay, Rabbi Lowe has saved the day with the golem, and, and you know, uh, the the townsfolk were going up to the rabbi saying, hey, gee, thanks. And and one of the stories state that, you know, he was sort of like, nope, I didn't have anything to do with it. And the reason was, is because he saw that this is not an appropriate thing, that this is not a power that man should have. So the rabbi takes a little parchment out of the golem's mouth, and it crumbles into a bunch of little golemy pieces. Um, the rabbi then gathers up the little pieces, takes them up into the attic of the old new synagogue, and the golem is locked away. But that's not necessarily the last of Joseph. As legend has it, during World War II, a Nazi agent climbed up the stairwell and found the golem, found Joseph in his resting place, and then proceeded to try and stab it. Well, this didn't bode well for the Nazi agent, because the golem proceeded to tear him limb from limb. Now, most of the legends that I talk about on this podcast, I like to have um, at least delved into them artistically. So um, I have, in fact, created a Golem of Prague once upon a time, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, I created a piece that was based on the the Golem. And in fact, the little hulky Golem um, resides in a little attic, the attic, in fact. So I'll have that on my blog and you can check it out. Now, the Golem is one of these characters in, in legend and lore that, that is sort of a difficult one because, you know, is the Golem a hero? Is it a villain? It's actually perhaps a little bit of both um, or neither because is the Golem merely a machine? You know, the Golem has often been associated with like Terminator, you know, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back, mostly Terminator in the, the second one where the Terminator is sent to protect, right? He is the Golem. Um, or... Perhaps the golem is like Hal in 2001, A Space Odyssey. You know, Hal is designed to keep the astronauts safe until it doesn't. In many ways, the Gollum story is sort of a precursor to a lot of the issues that we're addressing currently of, you know, the, the role of technology, the role of artificial intelligence and the danger of that, you know, is, you know, is the help that it gives worth the risk that it poses? Siri, are you here to harm me? I have nothing on my calendar, if that's what you're asking. Well, that's somewhat reassuring, I suppose. Well, that's it for this episode, everyone. Thanks for joining me. And if you want additional resources, go to michaeldemang.com forward slash blog, and you'll see images, artwork, lots of goodies that might relate to what we've discussed. And while you're at michaeldemang.com, you might as well take a little peek at some of the strange, bizarre artwork I create. You can also check out classes I teach around the globe as well as online. So, until we meet again, I'll be mything you.